Welcome to the Compete Every Day podcast, a weekly show to help you harness the power of competition to be better than yesterday. Hear each week from performance leaders, coaches, and experts on the benefits of competition and how you can use it to win at work and in life. And now, your host, Chief Encouragement Officer at Compete Every Day, Jake Thompson. What's up and welcome back to the Compete Everyday Podcast. My name is Jake Thompson. I'm your host each and every week and the Chief Encouragement Officer here at Compete Every Day. And you are right in the middle of starting Season 2 where we talk about harnessing the power of competition. That's right, the power of competition so that you can be better than yesterday and win at work and in your life. This week, I'm excited to welcome to the show Hunter Clark of the Adaptive Training Foundation. This episode is going to blow you away when Hunter dives into the work that ATF is doing for veterans everywhere. Now, not only are these veterans, these are individuals that have lost limbs, that are blind. It is it is one of the more inspiring organizations that I've ever had the opportunity to see up close and in person. And I've gotten to know Hunter the last seven years, uh, and it was really excited for him to join the show to not only share the work they're doing with ATF, but how that work, how especially the mindset aspect of pushing people to failure, of getting people out of their comfort zone is applicable to you. You see, if you want to be a great competitor in life, you've got to develop stronger grit. You've got to be able to push yourself to the point of failure to get back up and to keep going again. And Hunter talks about exactly how they do that at ATF. Now, before I dive into this week's episode, I have one simple favor to ask. If you love the show, if you love all the content and everything we're about, I need you to share it with a friend. That's right. One friend. Pass along this episode. If you are inspired by Hunter's conversation, if you got a little bit of wisdom from the things we talked about that you can apply to your life, I need you to share this episode with a friend. Heck, you can post it on your Facebook page. You can share it on Instagram. You can talk about it on Twitter. But if you'll send it, email it to one friend and say, hey, I got a lot of value out of this episode. Here's what I learned. And I want you to listen to this. It would mean the world to us. That's how this show grows. That's how this show and Compete Every Day can impact more people's mindsets, creating more competitors in the world, and ultimately creating people's best lives. Now, without further ado, let's dive into episode two of season two, Better Than Yesterday with Hunter Clark of the Adaptive Training Foundation. Hunter, my man, welcome to the show this week. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. Dude, I've been excited about this. I obviously have had the opportunity to learn and get connected with ATF over the last few years. But uh, before we dive into just the incredible work you guys are doing with competitors, uh, give everyone a little intro of yourself, who you are, and then how you got to the Adaptive Training Foundation. So my name is Hunter Clark. I'm the Director of Operations and Programs for the Adaptive Training Foundation. We have been around for about three years now. We just moved to Carrollton and we are rocking and rolling with a brand new building that has about six times as much space as we formerly had. And we've got lots of room for activities. So we are open every Friday, 11 to 1 to come hang out and have a good time. And what we are is a nonprofit organization that sponsors mental and physical training for people with disabilities, most of which happen to be veterans. 
Our program is very much about lifestyle design and the competitive aspect is probably the priority. ATF was founded on principles of high performance training. Um, David Vibora, our founder, um, basically trained NFL athletes and Olympic athletes. And that was the gist of it. We had a guy who he met named Travis Mills, who has no arms and no legs, asked him if he wanted to work out. And he kind of looked at him funny and was like, have you noticed that I don't have any arms and legs? And he goes, yeah, you should come work out. And from that interaction kind of spawned this, you know, ideology of, you know, we're not going to give you a participation trophy just because you're in a wheelchair, just because you don't have arms and legs or just because you can't use the entire right side of your body. Like we're going to give you the same stimulus that an NFL athlete would get going through combine training, but you know, obviously adapted to what your limitations are and what's realistic and what's unrealistic. And we're going to push that threshold every single day. And you know what, a lot of feedback that we get is it looks like you do stuff, you know, here every day that nobody else in the world does. And we're like, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's every day. It's nothing new for us. It's nothing out of the norm. It's something that's expected. And that's something that we hold very near and dear to our hearts as a, a, a place that doesn't give participation trophies. And as a nonprofit, we are here to significantly improve the quality of lives in every way, shape and form. That's that goes way past the physical. The physical is the least of our concern is we're worried about their relationship with stress, their relationship with their kids. We want them to you know, interact with their goals and say, Hey, I want to walk my son into kindergarten. Like that is equally as important as winning a Paralympic gold medal. And we have people here that do both. And we want to make sure that we bridge that gap between physical therapy saying, Hey, we no longer can help you because you can satisfy your life. Like satisfaction and being normal is boring and everyone knows that. And a lot of people that are probably listening to this podcast can resonate with that because they probably do crazy stuff too. So with, with that, it's what's what's really going to get you to your goals. If you want to climb Mount Kilimanjaro like, and you don't have any arms and legs, how are we going to do that? And ATF is, is we want it to be the mecca for exactly that. Whether it's picking your son up for the first time because you don't have legs and you've never been able to do that, or whether it's you know climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, which is absolutely something that we've done with some of our athletes, or whether it's winning a Paralympic gold medal. We're going to do it all, and we're going to do it as – awesomely as possible and we try to capture that emotional aspect of training of hey we're going to prove to you what you're capable of and we're going to find that threshold as fast and as safely as possible and then we're going to understand it and say hey you know you haven't walked in in 10 years why is that physically possible if it is then great we're going to find what the next best option is but if it's not then let's freaking walk and one of the first things we ask all of our athletes is what are you afraid of what's what's something that's holding you back and what What's something somebody has told you that you, 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 you know, you'll never do again that you want to do. And let's do that. Like, you know, don't let, don't let doctors and don't let society limit what your possibilities are. We're here to push those limits in a safe and productive way with this environment of people and volunteers and the staff members that we have and all of our supporters and sponsors that make this thing possible that are going to be surrounding you with the love and compassion that you need to achieve those goals. So we, uh, we that's have, a that's a, a heck of, of a mission. We have a lot of fun, man. It's you know, it's it's cool for people to come in and be able to say like, "This looks like a lot of fun," and I'm like, "You're not wrong." <laughs> I, I remember, uh, I remember the first time I came down 
to y'all space. And I think here Simon had connected it uh, because Nikki Smith was doing some work with y'all. Uh, Nikki had done some photo shoots with us, uh, was down there. And so I remember going down there and watching some of the training sessions and being just blown away by the athletes and the competitors and, and these veterans you guys had in the space training because walking in first glance, you see some of the physical disabilities that they have, that they've suffered from injuries uh, serving our country. And then you see the, the work that they're doing and just the drive and the spirit they have. And you're, you're a little overwhelmed from an inspired standpoint. And, and it makes you kind of check yourself of what am I complaining about certain times? And the one that's always stuck out to me is, is one of the athletes and you're probably going to know his name and I may butcher his story a little bit, but I believe he was blind. Uh, and I'm not sure if he was missing a limb or not, but he was doing an Ironman and has done some Ironman yeah. to where, okay. Yeah. And I just remember seeing and watching some of his training and hearing a little bit of his story and just being all struck at his desire to get better despite the circumstances that life had dealt them. Absolutely. Yeah. That his, so his name is Carlos. He uh, actually uh, essentially tried to shield himself from an RPG blast that took off part of his hand and uh, he lost vision and partially in one of his eyes and partial vision in his other eye. So he's legally blind. He can see and he can navigate pretty well, but um, he lost one of his eyes, lost a pretty good amount of his skull, lost a pretty good amount of his hand and got, a pretty significant amount of damage on the side of his body that the RPG hit. Um, this dude competitively does Ironmans and literally comes to the gym every day to lift weights because he doesn't want to look small and he is freaking jacked. So I remember back in, the, back in those days, literally being like, Carlos, like, why are you here? Go home, go rest, like stop working out. And he was like, but I, I ran for like two hours this morning and I need to come lift weights. And I'm like, but why? Cause I don't want to look small. And it's like, Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? And that was pretty much every day for him. And he still to this day, I think has completed, I want to say at least four or five Ironmans and the amount of, you know, discipline and willpower and, and an athlete like him is something that we just want to utilize. That's really it. We're here to just prove to them what they're capable of. And so Carlos is a perfect example of that. So let's, let's hit on that point a little bit because the work you guys do are, is absolutely incredible. And, and one of the things that we connected on is, is when I posted recently or not too long back about participation trophies and my distaste of them. And, and then the desire to harness competition to win in life. And so a lot of these guys are coming in. And so I'm curious how much of the work early on is mental in getting these guys into a position of, not focusing on the circumstances and what has happened, uh, what they've lost physically, but what what are they going to do and what can they do about going forward? Or how many of those individuals step into that space already in the right mindset to train and get better? So uh, the mental aspect is is by far the priority. The physical is probably the least of our priorities. The mental aspect is something that we've developed significantly, and we actually have a, a program within our program specifically for that. So all of our athletes go through 30 minutes of mental training a day. We call it the recharge program. They do 15 minutes before they start their workout. They do 90 minutes of physical training, and they do 15 minutes on the back end where we do breathing exercises. We do mindset. We do intention setting. We do all these anchoring techniques. They have 
daily, you know, challenges that are one of our directors uh, challenges in the with on like a group text of, you know, for example, we've had an athlete who was claustrophobic who needed to get an MRI because he thought he had a freaking aneurysm working out doing tire flips or something ridiculous like that. And going into an MRI machine is something that he previously wasn't comfortable doing. And so he used those techniques to do that. And that's freaking amazing. Uh, almost none of our athletes are ready for that. You, you take somebody who got blown up by an IED, somebody that missing arms and legs or in a wheelchair, and you tell them, hey, I'm going to go sit you down and tell you to breathe and close your eyes and get in touch with your soul. They're going to be like, yeah, right. And it's a pretty, it's a pretty awesome experience to kind of, you know, sit back and be like, you just wait, you know, you'll come around and pretty much every single one of them by the end of the program is pretty bought in. And if it takes, you know, we have a nine week program, if it takes seven out of the nine weeks to break that shell and to convince you what the worth is great. Absolutely. If, it, if you brought in after day one, then you're just benefiting more. So we'll, we'll get to it and we'll, we have a structured way of understanding, Hey, you know what? We understand that this is kind of what your background is and this is um, what the you know stereotype is behind sitting there and breathing and closing your eyes and kind of you know navigating that space. But we have a pretty good retention rate on making sure everyone understands the benefit of it. So the mental is, is the priority and the psychosocial aspects of training, of, of taking that emotional aspect and, and understanding it to the depths of, hey, this is something that isn't normal. This is something that we do want to compete with. And this is something that every single one of our athletes is familiar with the participation trophy aspect of being a nonprofit organization, being a veteran service organization. There are a significant amount of entities out there that want to literally say, Hey, you know, you're in this bad space. You're here to, you know, you're, you're struggling right now. Let us pull you out of it and let us give you this awesome gift, like a hog hunt out of a helicopter or some fishing trip or hunting trip or whatever it is. And, you know, no matter what happens, you're, we're going to give you this. And you just kind of go through the motions and you have a good time and you kind of fall into this vicious cycle of woe is me. I'm going to, you know, wallow in self-pity essentially. And, and somebody's going to pull me out of it. And that, and we feel that just reinforces that stigma of this, you know, roller coaster of emotions. And we're here to stop that. And we're here to say, hey, we're going to give you all the tools, habits, strategies, whatever it is to, to, to recreate this lifestyle that doesn't include that vicious cycle because that emotional roller coaster is, is damaging. And on, in a long term, we're here to change in the next 10 years of your life. And this nine weeks is to give you the tools and the resources to do exactly that. And we're not going anywhere. And there are expectations after our program of you continuing this and having a program that's structured outside of it or hiring a personal trainer or a lot of our athletes come back and, and become trainers. And we have about a half a dozen right now that are volunteer trainers for the next class that understand this benefit and understand, you know, this product that we're trying to, to create that's unlike anything else in the world. And whenever we have somebody that is in a wheelchair that can come and talk to another athlete in a wheelchair and say, hey, you know what, you should probably listen to this guy. It's one of the most amazing things in the world. And that gives us the luxury of being able to, being able to say, hey, you know what? I'm not, I, I may have my arms and legs and I may, you know, have fully a fully functional spinal cord, but I get what you're going through. And I understand it enough to tell you, you need to do this because this is the benefit you're going to get out of it. And that's your choice. If you choose to not do that, the door's over here and we can find somebody else that's going to benefit from it. So if you choose to do this, this is what you're going to get out of it. And it's going to be freaking awesome. So it's up to you. Let's, uh, so let, let's chat a little bit about that. So I love the fact that you have guys that are so committed and invested in it that they want to come back and obviously pay it forward to, to future athletes for, for the individuals listening to the show. 
I think one of the best things that you've talked about and, and have hit home on is the, the no participation trophies and, and how you guys understand that. And you want, and your guys want to earn the things that are, that are, that are acquired and, and not given to them. But I love the, the mindset work that you're putting in every day for these individuals. Every time they come in, there's intentional mindset work with them to get them out of the focusing on the current circumstance and what they can't do and instead shifting what they can do and how they can get better. How do you personally as an able-bodied athlete apply some of those in your own life? I mean, I, I try to do my best to meditate almost every day. Uh, and that's something that I've only recently done because of the athletes. And I think, I think trust has a big part of it. Um, I think the only reason I'm in the position that I'm in is because of, of gaining the trust of all of our, all of our staff, all of our interns, all of our volunteers and all the athletes. And I think that's something that can only be developed over time. And as I've kind of taken this journey through the, you know, the, the foundation and, and kind of how far we've come in the last three and a half years, I've, I've had the luxury of being able to see these transformations personally and had, you know, a personal touch on every single one of our athletes that have gone through the program and seeing them transform and seeing the benefits that they get. I'm just, I'm just taking my own advice. And whenever we have our athletes that come in and we say, Hey, we want you to do X, Y, and Z, you know, I'd be a fool to not do the same. And so, you know, that trust aspect of I'm going through the same thing you're going through. And, you know, one of the things that I get is like, well, when do you work out? And I'm like, all right, trust me, I work out. Don't worry about that. But, but even meditation, it's like I'm trying to make a conscious effort to meditate at some point every day. And how did you get most- into that? How did you kind of kickstart that? Because I know that's something that's a that was a struggle for me in terms of just trying to find a way to clear my mind. Was there a gradual growth into it, or, or what kind of advice would you give someone that? hasn't quite been able to figure out how to best do that to start their day or, or if, if you do it during the day, how they do it and just kind of hit that pause button during the day. Um, it, it was really hard for me to be honest. Um, I, I started with headspace. Uh, I started with, uh, insight timer. We have our athletes use insight timer. Um, I like accountability and I like you know, using other people and kind of, uh, and you know, almost an exploitative way and saying, Hey, like, I'm going to give you a hundred dollars. And if I don't do this, you get to keep it. Or saying like, I want you to text me every day at this time and ask me if I've meditated so I can, you know, be like, Oh crap, I need to do it. Or, you know, so on and so forth. And so I've tried that and and retention is really hard for me just because my schedule is so, um, unstructured in a way, uh, throughout the week. So I don't really have a time every single day that I know this time block, I'm going to be doing X, Y, and Z. So because of that, it's really hard for me to have that consistent schedule. So the way that I do it is uh, kind of substitution based. So every single day, whether it's, um, you know, I I have a a history with being a professional video game player, which is another story in itself. But um, for me, my my substitution in my headspace is uh, playing video games. So meditation to me is, is 15 minutes a day of doing something that I can clear my head. And for right now, it's playing a stupid video game that doesn't include, it doesn't produce any value to my life from that standpoint, but the way that it clears my head and the way that I, you know, am essentially re- regenerated from that is something that is absolutely beneficial. So, um, you know, the apps, the, the, the accountability stuff is a great and all, but everything that we do here is trying to be set you up for success for the, you know, for the foreseeable future. 
And so everything that I try to do is, is this realistic for eight months or more? Can I do this every single day or every other day or every week? Um, and can I, you know, create a structure for eight months and that commitment or more? And so that's kind of how I've approached everything for myself personally is, is if the, it's not worth doing unless I can create eight months of consistency. And so I've chosen to substitute that time with, you know, playing a stupid video game for 15 minutes, whether it's during, you know, while making breakfast or before bed or whatever it is. And that's what clears my head. And that's something that I can always go back to as an anchor. And that's something that, you know, just like with our athletes is the breathing techniques of, you know, if something comes up, if something happens, I can always go back to that one thing and substitute it with this and know that if I do this, I'm going to get this product. So what have um, you, what have you tried that perhaps hasn't worked and how have you, at what point did you realize it didn't work? So if someone's trying multiple things, how long did you give it before you were like, Oh, this is not working for me. I got to try something else. Cause that's, I mean, that's being self-aware, which isn't necessarily something that comes very natural to a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I try to write it down. I'm pretty terrible about keeping paper stuff. And so I have uh, the notes section in my phone is, is uh, pretty ridiculous to be honest, but um, I try to make a, a daily effort to, to put stuff on paper or at least put it into some sort of note. And um, the th things that haven't worked for me is like the Headspace apps, which give you like a daily reminder at the same time. For me personally, it's unrealistic to do it at the same time. I tried waking up. You know, I wake up at you know 4.45 in the morning. I try waking up 20 minutes early and it's just the last thing that I want to do. And then same thing for before bed. Um, it, it's just not something that I want to get out of bed to specifically do. So, um, I, the things that didn't work for me was structuring at the same exact time, every single day consistently. The thing that did work for me was understanding that at some point within this, within, within this time period of 24 hours, I'm going to do this. And it could be in the middle of the day, it could be in the morning, it could be at night. Um, so that structure is something that I just committed to and I knew that it wasn't working if I forgot to write it down. So, um, if I went two or three days and I realized, oh crap, I totally forgot to do that. That's a cue for me to say, Hey, let's move on to the next thing because this isn't working. Um, I know that it's working if I'm consistent with it for a certain period of time, whether it's a week or two weeks. And, you know, I like to gamify things. Um, I like to say, hey, if, if I can do this every single day or, or at this certain time domain for a consistent period of time, um, I reward myself. And I'd say, hey, I'm going to, you know, do something stupid as a, like a thank you to myself for investing back into myself and understanding that the more I can, you know, take care of myself, the more I can take care of people around me, the more I can take care of my family and the athletes that go through the program. And it's selfish of me to not take care of myself. So, um, and investing back into yourself and understanding that these things aren't taking away from your life, they're adding to it. And it's not something that you have to think of as a negative. It's something that can create positive momentum that you can build upon and, and increase the likelihood of, of doing something more positive, like eating healthy and like, you know, going to the gym and doing this and that. And so, um, I try to make it, make sure that everything I do throughout the day, no matter the time domain is, is increasing that positive momentum like that man and so all right let's let's jump back into competition how do you guys use the mindset behind competition with grit and perseverance in your athletes on a daily basis when training them how how are you using that to instill in them that personal me versus me in a way that perhaps someone else isn't 
or they're not getting from somewhere else. It's it's completely failure. Like failure is is our is our driving force training wise. We we want athletes to fail. We want them to be comfortable failing. We want them to fall. We want them to get back up. We want them to keep going. We want them to understand that threshold. And with the population that we work with, it's it's very common for them to to fear everything, to fear falling, to fear failure because if they have very real consequences. If you don't have hands, you fall and you hit the end of a nub on a, on a, you know, on concrete pavement, you're probably going to break your arm. If you, if you're a spinal cord injury and you walk with, you know, crutches and you fall straight flat to the ground and you hit your butt, you might break your tailbone. So the consequences and are, are very real with every single one of our athletes. So that confidence of understanding what that threshold is, is very powerful. So the phenomenon of, you know, I, I can't, I can't use my legs, but I can still walk and I'm walking through a parking lot. But if I drop my keys, I'm going to be screwed. I'm going to have to find somebody to freaking help me get my keys and it's going to be embarrassing and blah, 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 blah. So that, that, that fear, you know, creates this, this what's called tone in your body that creates tightness that further increases the likelihood of you doing exactly what you don't want to do, which is drop your keys. So the more you're worried about it, the more you're thinking about it, the more you're engaged in this activity of, I don't want to do this, the more it, it increases likelihood of that happening. So what we want to do is have people understand, Hey, what happens if you drop your keys? How, how can you get back up? How can you get them? How, you know, what if you didn't need somebody? What if you fell and you stood back up just fine? And that confidence is something that creates more fluidity, creates more smooth natured, uh, you know, movement that decreases the likelihood of that happening. So we want them to fall. I've had, I've programmed exercises with a couple of our athletes where it's like, Hey, you're going to do this until you fall three times and then you're going to get back up and you're going to do it again for two more sets. And that's something that, you know, almost every single one of our athletes in a wheelchair, the first thing we do is say, all right, well, get out of your chair and get back in. Well, what do you mean? Like, I want you to literally get back, get out of your chair, get on the ground and get back into your chair. And we time it and we say, do it as fast as you can. Some people do it in 10 seconds. Some people it takes 15 minutes, but almost every single time it's like, well, I, I don't need to get out of my chair. Why would I like, well, what if you had to well, worst case scenario, your house is on fire and you had to get back in your chair in three minutes or less, you were going to die. And those are the very real things that our athletes live with on a daily basis. And that fear and that, um, you know, unnecessary, uh, you know, stress that you're putting on your already stressed system because of this disability is something that we don't want you to live with. And that relationship with how you deal with your stress and how you deal with failure is something that we think you can train easily and saying, you know, we're going to create this safe space of using freaking pads and using the systems that we have at ACF that allow you to fall and allow you to get back up, allow you to test, you know, those limits in a way that's safe and effective that we can understand and learn and progress from so that whenever, you know, you are walking or you're going through a parking lot or you're doing some, you know, water skiing or adaptive snowboarding that you don't have to worry about that. And then if something happens, we can address it and we can take a step back and say, Hey, you know what, this setback that just happened because you broke your tib fib doing something stupid on a trampoline because your spinal cord doesn't work is something that we can still do because you know what? We train people that don't have spinal cords all the time and don't even have legs. So just because you broke your tip fib doesn't mean you can't stop working. That means that doesn't mean that you have to stop working out. It just means we have to change it up a little bit more, which is simple. So you take, you put them in a position to ultimately face that biggest fear from the start, almost like a parent throwing the kid in the, the deep end with the other parent in the pool ready to catch them. Just, 
say, hey, listen, we're going to put you in this situation now in a safe place so that you're so trained, you're so used to the discomfort of it that when it happens outside of this safe space, you're still 100% in control. Yeah, and it's not, it's not even discomfort. It's, it's you know, you know, I have a traumatic brain injury and, and everything that I do is very labored. I walk with a cane because it makes me walk a little faster. Okay, well, what if you didn't have your cane? Well, I would fall. Okay, what if you would fall? What would happen? Well, I'd get back up. Like, is that something that, like, why are you afraid of that? Like, what, what, what's wrong with that? So I took his cane away and I said, okay, you're going to walk. And that was day one. And he hasn't used his cane since. And he's been <laughs> using his cane for three years straight. And it, it wasn't even a discomfort thing. It was literally nobody had prompted him as to why he was using a cane. So it's, it's scenarios like that that are everyday scenarios that we have the luxury here because of the people we've worked with, because of those athletes that are trainers that are in wheelchairs that can come back and say, hey, you know what? You should trust these guys. I get to say, why are you doing that? Because that, that's what we've built here. And that's, the, some, that's something that I think is incredibly special of me being able to, to understand all of our athletes and, and understand that we as an organization can challenge everything. And, and we, we've been through so many iterations of the same thing. All we want to do is get a little bit better at it each time. And that's the only reason that ha- that happens is because every single one of our athletes is completely different. And every single one of our athletes have their own issues. Just because you're a single below the knee amputee doesn't mean you're like any other single below the knee amputee. And, you know, you'd have to write a million page chapter book with a million sub chapters for each chapter, you know, to, to cover comprehensive adaptive training. And that's something that's not possible. So it's unrealistic for us to come in and know everything and think that we know everything. All we're doing is guessing and checking. That's really it. What happens if I take your cane away? I want to see. I'm legitimately just curious. If it doesn't work, guess what? I can give you your cane back. But we're, we're here to, to just add that narrative and, and to explore that story piece of, of what if, what if this, what if that, what if you could walk? What if, what if we tried this? What if we, you know, navigated a way to compensate to create glute muscles where there are none? I've seen, yeah. people, you know, I've seen people jump that literally don't have calf muscles. And that's like, this shouldn't be happening, but it is. And I don't need to explain it. All I need to do is keep exploring it. That's that's fascinating. And, and so for a lot of the individuals listening, uh, we've got a lot of individuals that are able-bodied athletes, but the, the wisdom and the, the process that you guys are going through with your athletes is what's fascinating to me in terms of challenging preconceived notions, um, making them review not only the the worst case scenario, like you just said, what happens if you fall? Well, I get back up that had been such a hindrance that no one had challenged that thought process prior that you guys are forcing that individual out and then pushing them and and testing and tweaking and working to different points of failure in order to overcome that failure. And I think that's something that can be taken away to everyone listening to the show because it's a matter of stepping outside for many people. It's stepping outside that comfort zone or outside of what they've always thought was just the way it was, which is what keeps a lot of people held to where they currently are in life is this is the way it's always been, or this is what I've always thought it was instead of challenging that position. Um, and that's the one thing I like about what you do is by, by challenging the position of the ATF uh, individuals and, and competitors and members you're able to push them into an area that without ATF, without that support system, they would have never gone to. Um, and I think that's crucial in, in terms of 
life beyond just their situation, but life for those people listening of unless you're challenged to step outside of that current situation, you will be stuck. Uh, you will stay there. You will be confined and believe it's the circumstance. But once you're put into a position where you force yourself into a position where you're stepping out beyond that, you can find out what you're truly capable of. Yeah. And, and that's completely subjective. That can be as small or as big as you want it to be. And you kind of hit the nail on the head with the, with the community aspect of, you know, we call it a tribe. We're, we fully believe that a tribe is, you know, you're only as weak, you're only as strong as, as the weakest member of your team. And that's something that we hold very near and dear to our hearts. And part of our program is, is very structured to have setbacks and to have those failures and to have that, you know, idea of what if I get hurt? You know, okay, well, let's take the next step. Like I expect you to get hurt. Do I want you to get hurt? No, but I want you to know that if you do get hurt, we're still here and we're still rocking and rolling and we're going to take every, you know, every step forward to take, get you to where you need to be. And we can't do that without, you know, a significant amount of people behind us. We can't do that without all of the athletes that have graduated the program that come back and are part of this. And we can't do that without all of the people that keep our lights on that come and, you know, have, you know, serve athletes lunch on Fridays and, you know, have people that donate services like chiropractors and massage and, uh, you know, physical therapists. And we have an absolutely amazing support group that I'm 100% sure that if an athlete came to me and had something that they needed, I can either send them directly to somebody or I can find somebody who knows somebody that I can send them to. And that's so let's, a- follow, let's follow up on that. If people are listening and, and they're incredibly interested in learning more or connecting or just supporting, and, and maybe it's a way of, hey, listen, I don't even live in Dallas. I don't live in Texas. Uh, I don't know what I can do to support. What are ways that people can get dialed in or find out more ways that your team and your tribe uh, continue to grow and, and get the support they need? The, I mean, the biggest thing locally is, is coming to hang out on a Friday. Friday, we host what we call Alumni Fridays from 11 to 1 a.m. Uh, it's, it's literally the current group that's going through the program. We serve 15 athletes at a time. We have three volunteer trainers for every athlete, two to three volunteer trainers. We have an absolutely incredible amount of people here, and we just want you to come be a part of it. We want you to come hang out, have a good time, be a fly on the wall, talk to the guys, ask them about their stories, encourage them to share what they're going through, what they're struggling with, what they're liking, what they're disliking. It's a completely open narrative, and and the environment that we try to create is something that I think anyone and everyone can benefit from, benefit from, you know, near and far. And um, if you're not local, biggest thing you can do is, you know, is is Take the next step on what that looks like engagement wise with seeing somebody in a wheelchair and saying, hey, what's going on? You know, what happened? Open that narrative, challenge them and find somebody that is willing to invest in themselves. Find somebody that is willing to take that next step and to be that person that has the discipline, has the nitty gritty, you know, work ethic and uh, desire to better themselves and, and, you know, invest into them. And we can absolutely be absolutely be a resource for that. One of the things that we are actively looking to do is find the right people. And that's not only for athletes, that's for everyone. That's for our volunteer trainers. That's for our staff members as well. It's we're here to find the right people. We feel like we're a nonprofit organization in the health and fitness world. So we're lucky to to find a great group of people that are coming in our doors on a regular basis. But we're always looking for more value to add to our program. And if that's connecting with us, connecting us with someone in Dallas that can provide support or if that's you know, donating $22 a month to, you know, help with 
you know, whatever it is, then that's something that we think is absolutely amazing. And that's something that we are always looking to push. And um, right now we don't have anything immediately outside of Dallas, Texas, but we're working on some plans with uh, some other locations in the future that are going to be kind of a, a good next step for us. But um, outside of that, we want the right people. We want the right athletes. We want everyone to come, you know, be involved. We've had people fly from Japan, from Canada, from, you know, Europe, just to come hang out and have a good time. And that's not something that we expect. We strongly encourage it, but um, I have no problem going up to somebody in a wheelchair and ask them what happened. Well, you know, you know, what happened? What are you afraid of? You know, what do you want to do? Like, how can I help? And if that means that they come and hang out at the gym, then great. If that means that they go back to their normal lives and keep doing exactly what they're doing, then I've done my due diligence and somebody else might be better than me. And if they come back, then absolutely we're going to maximize that. So let me, let me, let me stop real quick and ask you that question because you said you guys don't have anything currently outside of Dallas, but your athletes and your members come from all over, right? It's not just Dallas based individuals that are a part of it. So for anyone listening, if you, if you know a veteran coming home, if you know someone there's, I'm sure there's information. Is it on adaptive training foundation.org where they can find out more information for the application process for the classes? Correct. Yeah. So team ATF.org, T E A M ATF.org is our website. Um, we, we house athletes from around the nation. We have a nine mate training program. We actually have the luxury of having a relationship where if you live in Alabama or California or Oregon, we can house you here for nine weeks in Texas just to go through our program. Um, we're working on better ways to do that and create lodging specifically for ATF. But, uh, for right now we, we're, you know, we can bring anyone and everyone, you know, for if they're the right person to come benefit from what we have to offer. And we're actively looking to increase value there as well. We're look, working with nutrition companies. We're working with transportation companies to get you to it from the gym. We're working with, you know, flights. One of the coolest things that we do is what's called our redeploy. It's at the very end of the class. It's kind of the culmination of what the competitive aspect of what we do is. And it's something that we plan for. So for example, in the fall or uh, sorry, the spring, of uh, every year we have what's called military to the mountains. So we train 15 veterans. We partner with another uh, group in Reno that trains seven veterans to have 22. 22 is symbolic for the 22 kill organization that helps raise awareness for veteran suicide prevention and raise awareness of the statistics suicide every day in this country. And so we take 22 veterans we train the crap out of them for nine weeks. We bring them to Lake Tahoe and we throw them down a mountain on some adaptive skis and snowboards and we see what happens. And it's a, it's a great bonding experience to kind of take what we've learned here, take all these tools, take all these, you know, habits and strategies and take this awesome training that we're giving you. And we're going to test it out and we're going to, you know, take you to the summit and, you know, you're going to have an instructor with you. You're going to test the limits of what your body's capable of in a real world scenario in a competitive way. And that's just one example for, and you know, this class that we're going through right now, we're going to go to Utah in July and we're going to do adaptive mountain biking. We're going to do ropes course. We're going to do rock climbing, water sports. We're going to do sled hockey, archery, and it's going to be freaking awesome. And so every single one of our class has a redeploy. It's always different depending on the time timeline, depending on the organizations we're working with. Um, right now, the most structured one is the military in the mountains class that is going to go to Lake Tahoe every year in about March or April. And it's, absolutely amazing and so we're we're here we're looking for the best people across across the country that 
have a disability that want to change their lives and then want to go and reintegrate into society in a way that says, I've rewritten the narrative of what my life is capable of. And I'm going to use this adversity that I'm overcoming on a daily basis to help other people as well. And we want that. We want the tools and everything that they're learning here to affect all of their new relationships that they create. We want them to get more comfortable sharing their story. We want to encourage them to go out and to and to invest into people themselves. And if that means you become a volunteer trainer, great. If that means that you go home and you start, you know, doing whatever it is that you want to do. And, 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 you know, we've had people that wanted to get more involved in church. We've had people that wanted to get more involved with training in their own space. We want we've had people do all kinds of things and we want to use all of the resources here that we give them to change the lives of 10,000 people, not just people with disabilities. And, you know, we feel all of our athletes are conduits to exactly that. Dude, I love it. I love it. That's great. All right. Finally, last question. How can someone check you guys out, learn more? Website, social media, where do they need to go if they're listening to the show? Yeah. So Instagram and Facebook is Adaptive Training Foundation. Simple. Uh, our website is teamatf.org. We've got a newsletter every month. We, we're doing more stuff. Uh, right now, the best thing you can do is come on a Friday the first Friday of every month, if you're local, we host what's called Sweatiest Hour. It's sponsored by Michelob Ultra. So 6 to 7 p.m. the first Friday of every month. We actually had it last night. We host a free boot camp from 6 to 7, immediately followed by happy hour 7 to 8, and free Michelob. So come out, come you know, sweat. We have all of our adaptive guys. We had a group of uh, quad rugby player, players out yesterday, and we had a, an obstacle course just for them. We had an obstacle course for everyone else, and it's a great time. We got a lot of space. We're going to structure a little bit more. And every Friday, every Friday of every month, we're going to be every first Friday of every month. Sorry. We're going to be doing some awesome stuff. So Friday's 11 to one, come hang out, come see the program in action. Uh, first Friday of every month, come hang out at sweatiest hour and uh, have a great time. Dude. I love it. Hunter. Thank you so much for being on the show this week. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Compete Every Day podcast. To learn more, visit CompeteEveryDay.com. To connect with Jake or contact the show, email us at podcast at CompeteEveryDay.com. And as always, keep competing every day to be better than you were yesterday.